Comic Book Time Machine presents The Week of Weird. Seven days of weird comics. Day three, a weird law office. Hello and welcome to the third day of the week of weird. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, a comic book time traveler. What does that mean? It means I use this magical, mystical, mythical time travel device, the comic book trade collection in this case, to travel back in time to times past to read comics. And in this case, comics that are specifically kind of weird in one way or another. And uh, so this today's today's episode will feature a weird comic that is just a, a weird series because it does it does weird things and deals with weird topics and has a lot of fun with it. So every episode of this week is going to feature some sort of weird comic book something, and and a lot of them are going to be swamp monster uh, related or adjacent uh, because I like swamp monsters a lot. That is an important detail right now just to let you know as we are getting ready to talk about this particular topic because this series was something that uh, – well, I just had a serendipitous experience with it. It was delightful, delightfully serendipitous. Uh, I'm not going to say too much more about it right now, but uh, the topic is a weird law office. And that weird law office is the law offices of Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre. Uh, the series started out being called uh, Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre. And then uh, I believe the series changed titles to tales of supernatural law or might have just been supernatural law but this is something that I, i'm not sure when i got these but i got volume one and two the collected editions they're they're called uh, case files case files volume one case files volume two got them a long time ago the the editions that i have if i look at the copyright here uh yeah the copyright for the edition i have here is uh, 90 97 um but then the the issues that it reprints are from 94 or 92 or something like that but i i don't think i bought them in 97 i i don't remember though i i just don't remember i'm not sure what comic shop i bought them from and i'm not sure if i found them you know on the shelf somewhere or in some sort of um back issue bin i they just they just are in my collection i i must have bought them at some time but i I don't know when. I just – I have them. And when I was going through my comic collection this summer to try and organize it, which as I said last episode, it's hard for me to get organized sometimes and especially when it's you know stacks of stuff that have gotten put into boxes and then moved and all sorts of things like that. Well, anyway, I was going through my comic collection this summer and I found them and I put them aside. And this time when I put them aside, I didn't just put them aside to – pack away later i actually read them <laughs> and uh i read them and i loved them <laughs> i loved them so much uh so much so that um before i finished the these two volumes which each col uh, collects four issues so it's issues one through four and five through eight before i even finished them i ordered the collection that would have issues nine through sixteen 
and was able to immediately start reading you know the the following eight issues once I was done with these these two smaller collections and so um, yeah it's, it's great it's by um, the the art writer and the artist is a man named Batten Lash and and they uh, started actually as a, a newspaper strip in the Brooklyn paper in 1979 and then um, went to, they've appeared in many different places but um, looking at the back of the first volume, he kind of gives a, a lowdown of the history and like where he got the idea to do this. But it also appeared in the National Law Journal and the Comic Buyer's Guide. And then, of course, uh, eventually it ended up as a full-size comic, which is something he'd always wanted to do. And uh, it's it's fantastic. I'm just going to warn you right now. I, I'm going to gush about this series because, I, like I said, I love them. Now, what is the series? Well, okay, so imagine the X-Files – Mixed with uh, Ally McBeal or The Practice or you know, one of those more quirky law shows. Not Law & Order. No, not, not that. But um, now imagine that that TV show, all the scripts were taken and stolen by EC Comics, the, you know, the old horror comic publisher. And uh, then they took those and they hired Mad Magazine to turn these TV scripts into a comic. But, but a good comic, okay, um, one that has – has lots of wordplay and um, witty puns and satire and referential jokes that Mad Magazine is known for, but not 18 in every panel like Mad Magazine is known for, but just enough to put a smile on your face because as you're reading along, you understand that reference. And so bottom line, there's two lawyers and it's Wolf and it's Bird and these two lawyers, they are not um, – you know, it's not a moonlighting kind of thing. It's not an X-Files kind of thing in that you're will they, won't they as far as the romance goes or anything like that. No, they're just – they're partners. Wolf and Bird are partners and she's a, a no-nonsense and very um, good, good lawyer. He's a more um, compassionate and, and I think he second-guesses himself much more than she does. But uh, together they work very well. They respect each other and they respect each other's abilities and then they play off of each other. And it's fun to watch them as, as partners and fun to watch their friendship. Um, you know, it's, it's already a strong binding friendship at the beginning of the series, but it's fun to watch that friendship grow and, and get stronger. And so there's these lawyers. You like them. They're, they have a receptionist named Mavis. You like her. And there's other lawyers in the town who, you know, they go up against and they also, you know, have history with. And, and so it's fun then for, uh, you know, to watch those interplays happen throughout the course of the series. But then there's also horror-related cases that they take on. And so there's lots of clever jokes and the, there's the witty wordplay that I talked about, the fun parody. But it's all on kind of these different horror genre things and, and that, that's their specialty. They take on cases that involve werewolves. Uh, they take on cases that involve um, – zombies and and ghosts and and hauntings and curses and and all sorts of stuff like that so while it's not scary by any means uh it's not a horror comic it is absolutely you know referencing and riffing on those those uh horror things and it, it's a lot of fun for example um you've got issue one which is a a take on the monkey's paw wishes which are being used to bring back a couple's beloved dog and the twist that goes along with that that you would expect if if you know the story. But then there's also the twist of like the the homeowners association in that neighborhood and, and things like that that get involved. Then uh, issue two is uh, kind of a 
play on the whole werewolf curse kind of thing. And there's a house that in the distant past was cursed to become um, haunted and alive in the full moon. It's a warehouse, um, <laughs> which again, get it, you know, like it's, it's perfect. And, and uh, it doesn't like linger on too many of those, those puns either. Uh, but anyway, it was painted with lead based paint so that the rays of the moon never touched it until it was purchased, kind of remodeled and repainted. And then the house attacks the husband's boss when they have him over for dinner and he gets hurt and they find themselves facing a lawsuit. And and so you have a thing where maybe the story started out with uh, Bat and Lash sitting out and saying, okay, warehouse. Hmm. There's a joke in that, but he doesn't then just turn it into a joke. He turns it into a, a full story where there's actually a reason for it to be what it is. And it actually becomes um, this one. There's there's more to it when later on this particular, you know, the family that lives in this house and the house itself is kind of uh, brought up as uh, another subplot later on in the series. Uh, issue three takes on zombies who go on strike because just because they're dead doesn't mean they shouldn't have fair labor practices from their boss. And uh, <laughs> there's there's a funny little bit there where he walks into a bar and he's just had it. He's just had it with the the zombies being on strike. And uh, he walks in and asks the bar bartender, do you serve zombies here? And uh, the bartender says, I'll serve anyone, you know, as long as they pay. And then He's like, what? Uh, you know, and there, there's the joke there, you know, because the zombie being a drink. And then um, later on, you actually have the zombies walk in and they actually then come to the bar, say to the bartender, do you serve zombies here? And, you know, you get the that twist on the joke just a little, little to the left this time. And it's funny. Um, issue four has them representing a horror host from the EC Comics days and then just so on and so on. There's lots of different twists and stuff. Um, other highlights – Include uh, public domain monsters having to deal with other people using their likenesses. Uh, you have an X-Files parody with an amazing twist ending, and that's uh, that's an issue nine. And I covered that in my Halloween comic-a-thon where I'm reading a horror comic every day for the, the month of October and doing a, a blog about it. Um, Dracula returns uh, to ask for help dealing with Anne Rice-style <laughs> vampires. Uh, and then there's this incredible issue that is a Jack Benny parody. Uh, it features Jack as a guardian angel who gets sued for not watching his client closely enough. And the characters are written perfectly. You have the the uh, uh, the body language and the, the expressions on the face. Uh, as I started reading it, I'm like, huh, that character kind of looks like – and then the dialogue starts I'm like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be Jack Benny. What's going on here? And it's really, really funny. Now, it's not funny maybe as much if you don't know Jack Benny, but the situation I think has enough absurdity in it where you can recognize the humor in the situation. Anyway, um, speaking of the art, the caricatures are done really, really well. Um, the the art in the stories are cartoony and the universe it's it's consistent. The series takes place in this fully realized kind of cartoony style uh, that would be at home in a, in a Mad Magazine. Um, but it'd be – I don't know if they ever had this, but it'd be a very special Mad Magazine maybe where it's just really, really good. But um, they – this allows for renditions of, of well-known faces and, and caricatures of characters who are being parodied. 
Um, there's one panel with uh, the vampires where there's just a handful of different vampires and there's Bella Lugosi there, there's William Marshall, and there's Frank Langella. And they're all kind of there in the same panel. And you can tell who they're meant to be. And so between that and the wordplay, that's probably why my first reference here when I try and describe this is, is uh, Mad Magazine. But where Mad Magazine, sometimes it's really hard for me to read. Um, and I don't read Mad Magazine you know, currently, um, it's been a long time since I've ever like read an actual issue of Mad Magazine. I mean, it's been decades since that. But I do have a couple Mad Magazine collections. I have actually have the superhero collection and the horror story collection, and then um, I have a another collection. And they're they're good and they're funny, but I can only take it in small doses. Uh, it's very hard for me to read because there's just so many puns and jokes in every panel, and it's kind of tiring. Uh, it just, it's very hard. My eyes just kind of glaze over after reading a couple pages. And so the, you know, the length of the, the parodies in Mad Magazine are just about perfect. And you know, when, once I'm in page four, like I'm just, I'm done. I'm done. Even if it's a good one, you know, and there's some really good Mad Magazine parodies, like the, the original Jaws one. I remember that one being really good and the original Alien movie one. And it's just, I just shut down after a while though. Even Star Trek, when they when they parody Star Trek, I just have a hard time with it. Um, anyway, uh, Bat and Lash doesn't go that far. <laughs> there are times when, um, yeah, there, there's setup for certain puns and and it gets telegraphed early on. But then there's other pun, puns that kind of employ the stealthy Chekhov's gun strategy. So in other words, you know, Chekhov's gun is where if you put a, a gun on the the wall in the first act, then you better use it on the th- in the third act. Well, in this, you know, basically you have something like three panels earlier, something is said to set off a conversation, and then it gets brought back around to a punchline that you never saw coming. Um, well, actually, like the, the do you serve zombies here thing. And, and that's when a pun really puts my smile, a smile on my face is when I'm not expecting it. You know, um, if, if the pun comes and I wasn't expecting it and it's paying off something that said earlier. That's when I, I appreciate a pun for clever wordplay and not just the lowest common form of, of humor. Now, it's not all puns and gags. Uh, there's a there's sly and subtle uh, humor as well. Um, there, there, you know, it's parodies and satires, um, horror history and comics history and, and horror comics history. And it's just a lot of fun. Uh, and, and here's the biggie for me. Now, I knew this was a series that was Lawyers for Monsters. I knew that even though I hadn't read it. Um, I was familiar enough with the high concept. But when I started reading, I realized in the first issue, they were representing a swamp monster for their client. And then as I read on, I realized this is not just a one-off gag. This is a subplot for every, almost every issue. So, Okay. Take the swamp monster out of this, and it's still incredibly well done, okay? Uh, it's like, I mean, this could have been Frankenstein's monster. This could have been anything. It could have been a leprechaun. Um, but it's just icing on the cake for me that it's a swamp monster that they did it with because that means the whole entire series is taking place and dealing with a swamp monster throughout all of the issues here that I'm reading. Uh, but take the swamp monster out. It's, it's good because it's like so many TV series do now. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time, but, um, usually, you know, 
you're, you're going to get a, a TV series where there's a monster of the week or a pl- problem of the week. You know, if it's a law, sh- a law series, it's going to have, you know, what's that, what's the case of the week? And if it's a, uh, you know, science fiction or, you know, Smallville, for example, Smallville had a monster of the week every week, but then there's also this kind of season long problem. And so the casual viewer who's just catching an episode or two or three or four every season, they're going to get the characters they like dealing with a problem that has a beginning, middle and ending. And when the episode is done, you feel like you've watched something and there's a satisfying conclusion. But then there's also this season long developing story that's meant to keep you coming back every time. And then to reward you for long-term viewing, especially in that final episode where they've saved up with budget, obviously with a comic book, you don't have to save up your budget, but um, they reward you for that long-term viewing. So for me then, the, the fact that it's a Swamp Monster, big bonus, but it's it's good. So as the series marches on through issue 16, uh, the Swamp Monster is called Sod, the Thing Called It. And Sod, the Thing Called It's story develops. And, you know, so things happen that normally happen. They have depositions and they have um, things where um, he signs a book deal with a Neil Gaiman-esque author, and that complicates the trial. And at one point, he runs away. This is towards the end of his thing, but he runs away and falls in with some environmentalists who try to convince him to take his rightful place as the the guardian of the environment, which is something he's not exactly suited to do because you know he's not he's not Swamp Thing. He's not a, a you know the guardian of the green or anything like that. He's just a guy who got turned into this monster, and so now he's dealing with lawsuits from the city. But this ongoing thing makes the the read for me even more satisfying where you have this 16 issue arc and it culminates in issue 16 issue 16 is devoted completely to sod the thing called it and then you also have some guest artists who jump in and kind of you know it's, it's a little bit of a celebration i guess this would be considered the uh the final episode of the season um, with the bigger budget kind of thing uh, because you have these guest artists who jump in and give a little bit of of art and some fun pages because the people who had the movie rights to Saad's book are trying to design the creature. And so Bernie Wrightson delivers a Swamp Thing style design and Phil Hester gives a Man Thing inspired design and Charles Vess, Jeff Smith, and Scott McManus each give their own variations on the Swamp Monster. Steve Bissett also gives a version. That's the one that the movie makers gave to the creature when they started filming. And that's why they get these other versions because the public didn't like the look when the photos came out. So anyway, by the end of issue 16, we're at what serves as the end of the season. And Saad's story is complete. And it's satisfying. I liked it. I was afraid he was going to die because I had heard that his story ends in issue 16. It was the final um, ending for this sod thing. And uh, the the uh, edition that I have, the volume that I have that has those final eight ep- uh, eight issues, not eight episodes, eight issues in it, it's called The Sodacy. Um, again, puns, right? But um, there's also the continuing drama of the personal lives of Wolf and Bird. And that also brings some satisfying things to your read as you're watching these romances develop. And you also have the receptionist Mavis and she has, you know, some romance things happen. She actually gets her own spinoff title. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to get now um, more of the series. Now that the sod thing is done, I'm a little sad about that. And there's a little part of me that doesn't necessarily want to read on without him in it. But um Anyways, uh, Mavis gets her own 
um, spinoff series. And um, But throughout the whole thing, you also have these other lawyers that come in contact with, and there's romantic subplots. And uh, all three of those main characters uh, have their own kind of romantic uh, dalliances uh, throughout their that, that brings more stuff into the long-term storytelling. And for the most part, it's fun stuff. Mavis and her boyfriend, uh, before he's her boyfriend, really, uh, they deal with a Cthulhu-like threat that's coming from some of the stuff in um, in the law firm's library because uh, Wolf and Bird are both off uh, at a conference. And so they have to deal with this Cthulhu thing that comes through, you know, and is coming into our dimension and, it's, it's fun stuff. So if it seems like I'm gushing, that's because I am. And I love this series. And if I had to come up with a complaint, it's because I would have to make something up to complain about. Because uh, I'm not going to complain about jokes that don't land. Because, you know, I've, I've never watched a movie or watched a, a sitcom where every single joke lands perfectly. Uh, some of the jokes just don't land for me. And sometimes maybe I don't understand the reference or it just isn't funny. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, that doesn't matter because... Any joke that doesn't land is surrounded by dozens of other jokes that hit just right, hit me just right. And they get a great, perfect setup and payoff punchline. It's a great series. I highly recommend it in the highest of recommendations that I could recommend. It's great. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Batten Lash, for giving me this uh this delightful series, and we'll see if I continue on with it because, again, like I said, you know, now that Sod's gone, I'm just not sure it's going to be the same. Actually, I know it will be. I know if I do pick up the next volume, um, I'm just going to be able to get right into it, but that's not right now. That'll be later. We'll see. I'm not sure when. For now, though, I do want to thank you for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine presents this week of weird please uh i ask you to send any feedback you might have do you have a favorite weird series or a particular weird issue of a comic book that sticks out to you have you read wolf and bird uh did you like wolf and bird do you uh not like it i don't know um in day seven of the week of weird i'll be reading feedback assuming i have any which i do so i know i'll be reading at least one bit of feedback <laughs> you can send that feedback to feedback at comicbooktimemachine.com and you can also go to facebook.com slash comic book time machine and you can contact us there. And then there's also on Twitter, we are at comic time. I just don't use Twitter as much. So until next time, I want to thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time talking about, well, weird comics that also tend to be fun comics. I mean, that's why I read comics. I read comics to have fun. And fun can mean any number of different things, but mainly if you're reading it and appreciating the artistry and enjoying the uh, the craftsmanship that's going into it, and in this case, laughing at the puns, you're having some fun. So if you're not having fun reading your comics, find some different comics. <laughs> um, and I would recommend uh, if you were looking for different comics, Try and find Wolf and Bird because it is some fun, fun stuff. That is Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre, or Tales of Supernatural Law, but they're both by Batten Lash. Uh, he's the guy behind behind the team. Uh, and I highly, 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 as I've said already, and I'm now saying again, recommend it. So until next time, thank you so much for listening, and Godspeed.
Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Long Box Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus long boxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, I like comics too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, this is what I get for inviting both the Albert brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Long box?